Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. When Daniel's visions had come to an end, and when his life and his book had finished being penned, that son of man had still not come for them. For as the visions promised, God's kingdom would come long after Daniel and his friends. It would come after the Persians, Medes, Greeks, and Babylonians. For even though Israel was back in their land, they were still waiting for their savior. They were still waiting for the son of man. He would not reach his goal through furnaces, lion's dens, or amassing armies and gold. Instead, he would transform a cross into his throne. Good morning, good morning. How are you guys today? I love it, I love it. Didn't the worship team do such an amazing job today? Let's give it up for them one more time. Appreciate them so much. Great to see you guys today. Today we are back in the book of Daniel. Only three chapters left. You guys have done it. We are almost there. It's been an exciting sermon series for me because it stretched me. It's challenged me and I hope it stretched and challenged you. Chapters 10 through 12 though are, you know, once again, some of the most challenging sections in the book. So we're gonna jump straight into it today. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and turn now to Daniel chapter 10. Today's sermon is titled The Unseen Realm. And as you're turning there, let me bring you up to speed. If you've been with us for this series, you've learned, and by the way, my name is Ricky Hemi. Thanks for joining us in person. Thanks for joining us online today. It's good to have you guys with us, and thanks for being back in Daniel with us. Okay, so let me bring you up to speed real fast. The book of Daniel is 12 chapters, and it's broken down into two sections, which is why we did two seasons. The first six chapters talk about Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in their their story in Babylon and they're standing for the Lord and they faced the fiery furnace and they faced the lions in and they stood firm in the Lord even when they were teenagers. Then in chapter 7 in the rest of the book the, the genre shifts from a narrative to apocalyptic literature and apocalyptic literature it, it contains visions about the future, visions about the end. We call this eschatology eschatology in theology. Eschaton means the last days or the end. So this is visions about the end. And now we're in Daniel chapter 10 through 12. That's the the remaining section we have. And this section is one vision, one vision. And the vision is, it, it describes how the vision came to Daniel in chapter 10. And then in chapter 11, the vision itself is described. And then in chapter 12, there's a postscript kind of wrapping up the book. And so if you've been studying Daniel with us, and you may have noticed that the visions in this book tend to get longer and longer and more and more complex. You've probably realized that so far. And also the later visions in this book tend to expand upon earlier visions. So that's what's gonna happen in chapter 11. And the vision in this section is the longest one yet and the most detailed one yet. And so I'm gonna break our passage down into three sections today. If you guys have your notes, you'll be able to see it and follow along there. We're gonna talk first about the context. 
Then we're going to talk about the crisis. And number three, we're going to talk about the conflict. So I'm going to pray and we'll jump into this amazing passage together. Will you guys pray with me? Father God, I want to say thank you so much again for today. Chance to worship you, a chance to hear from you, uh, a chance to lift your name on high. God, we need your strength. We need your courage. We need your love. We need your amazing grace in our lives. I pray that if anybody in here today is, is struggling or down, that they would leave this place with hope. God, you are in control. You are in charge. You know us. You love us. You're for us. You call us greatly loved. Remind us today that you are in our corner. Even when the world seems to be crashing, even when the world seems to be in chaos, you reign on the throne. And nothing can change your plans. Nothing can thwart your will. We love you and praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So let's begin our section on the context. Daniel 10, starting in verse 1. This is what it says. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies. Okay, no in and out for Daniel in this passage. I feel bad for him. No meat. Okay, that's, that's got to be rough too. No wine entered my mouth nor did I anoint myself with, with oil. Okay, he didn't put lotion on for three weeks, which is a big deal when you're in an arid climate, climate like Persia, for three full weeks. So let's start this off with the context. Prior to receiving a vision, Daniel found himself in a season of mourning. Now, this is important to point out because so far in this book, Daniel has been a shining example of strength during the midst of adversity. Daniel has been strong as a teenager. He was strong as, a, as an adult, and now he's strong again as a, a mature adult in his 80s. He's been strong throughout the entire book. But here in Daniel chapter 10, he's going through a hard season. You see his armor kind of beginning to crack. And this is a big deal because think about everything he's gone through so far. He battled everything a human could possibly battle. He lost his family. He was kidnapped as a teenager. He lost his homeland. He lost his manhood, if you guys remember back to the first section. He lost his freedom. He faced a den of lions and all of that. He never cracked. But here in this passage, he is borderline depressed. He's mourning. He was so distraught that he didn't eat or drink for three whole weeks. Now, I don't know if you've ever been that down, that discouraged, but if you've ever been in a season of depression or a season of great discouragement, then you know what Daniel is going through here. Maybe you've been so down that you haven't wanted food, you haven't wanted to eat or drink, you haven't wanted to get out of bed, you've just been mourning and stuck in this, this dark cloud that follows you everywhere you go. Well, that's what Daniel is doing here. He's, he's experiencing something we call grief. Daniel in this chapter is grieving. 
And we know, if you've ever experienced grief, we know grief can take a toll on a person. There's lots of stages to grief, right? You probably heard this from psychologists. There's that season of denial, like, no, this is not really happening. This is not going to happen to me. No, I don't, I don't accept this. There's that season of anger, like, why is this happening? I need to change this. Anger at God, anger at others. Then there's a season of bargaining where you're trying to, okay, God, I'll, I'll do whatever if you just get me out of this. And then there's that season of depression, and that is the season that he is in. He is depressed. He is down. He is low. And the reason why is because Daniel was dealing with bad news. He was dealing with bad news on top of bad news on top of bad news. Now, now us human beings, we're pretty resilient. Can I get an amen? We're pretty resilient. But when we get bad news, you know, we could, we could, we could bounce back. But then when we get more bad news on top of that bad news, it's a little harder to bounce back. And then if we get more bad news on top of that other bad news on top of the previous bad news, it gets harder and harder to bounce back. And then we find ourselves unable to bounce back. Daniel, it sounds like Daniel to me was living in 2022, okay? He was dealing with bad news on top of bad news. Now, I just wanna point this out. We live in a time where we could find bad news just about anywhere. Okay, you, if you open your phone and turn on you know, an app on social media, you can find bad news there. If you go to the gas station, they might be playing bad news at the pump. If you turn on the radio, you might hear bad news in your car. If you turn on your television, you'll see bad news on the screen. Okay, we live in a time, this is very, this is very you know, unique for human beings because not other humans have had to gone, go through this. We live in a time where we know about all the bad news around the whole globe in a moment. You see, previous, previously in human history, people only dealt with a little bit of bad news at a time. But you and I, especially since 2020, have been dealing with bad news on top of bad news on top of bad news on top of bad news. And every time we turn on a device or we go somewhere, we, oh, we look and there it is again, bad news. And if you hear bad news all the time, it overloads your system and it begins to send you into a season of discouragement and depression, which is where many people today in 2022 find themselves. And so I find this to be a very relatable passage. Daniel was overloaded, overstimulated with bad news. His system couldn't take it anymore. And for many of us in this room today, we have been overloaded, overstimulated with bad news and our system like cannot take it anymore. And so I just want to encourage you with this. Limit your bad news. Turn off your phone when you get home and just, just look at your child in the face. Uh, don't listen, listen to worship music in the car. Do, do what you can to get rid of the bad news. You take too much in your system and you will spiral down into a season of dis- depression and, and anxiety. And that's what hap- is happening here with Daniel. Daniel is hearing more and experiencing more bad news. And so Daniel was grieving. Well, what was Daniel grieving over? Well, he was grieving over the plight of his people. You see, first we read in the beginning of the book, their, their temple was destroyed, they were kidnapped, they were exiled, and they were brought to a foreign land for 70 years where they were reprogrammed and turned into Babylonians. Okay, so that's already enough for one person to deal with. On top of that though, now Daniel's in his 80s, the 70 years of exile were completed and the people of God were released from exile at this point, two years prior to Daniel 10, they were released 
but only 50,000 people went back to their homeland to rebuild their place of worship, only 50,000. They, they, their worship was shut down for 70 years. Now they had been released. And instead of going with crowds of people and family members and bringing everybody with them to rebuild and start over and set up a place for worship, they remained in Babylon because they became comfortable with Babylonian culture and society. And so do you know what Daniel's people were saying after they were released and could actually go back and worship again in the temple? This is what they were saying. Why worship in the temple when we can worship online? That's what they were saying. Now, they probably weren't saying that exactly, but you get the point. Here's a principle for you. When you leave worship for too long, it gets, it's hard to come back. When you get into a, into a habit of neglecting the, the, the gathering of the saints, the word church, just so you know, it means gathering. Ecclesia means the gathering. The gathering of believers. When you neglect that for too long, it gets hard to come back. And that's exactly what we're seeing in Daniel chapter 10. And Daniel is mourning over it. God sustained them through exile. They were free to go back and worship. But instead of returning home, they stayed in Babylon. Today, in today's culture, Christians have been released to go back and worship. But many are remaining in Babylon, a study released by Christianity Today in March of this year, this is just March of 2022, said that churches in America still haven't recovered from COVID lockdowns. Did you know that? A recent study says only 50 to 65% of worshipers have returned to church. Only 50 to 65%. Researchers also discovered that many people who said they would return to church under safer conditions have not returned and they likely never will return. So this is a reason to mourn. We too, like Daniel, have a reason to mourn. You would think that churches would be bursting at the seams with hungry worshipers after lockdowns and the challenges of the last three years of isolation and unrest, but most churches are just struggling to get by because there's become a culture of why worship in person when I could sit on my couch? Why participate, give, and sacrifice when I could just be anonymous? Daniel saw it happening to his people, and now today we see it happening to some of our people. Let me just say... There's no way to replace what happens in this building. And for those of you watching online today, I want you to know we value you, we love you. Keep watching online, we want you to watch online, but online is only supplemental. It cannot substitute what's happening right here, right now in this place. It's supplemental. And some of God's people need to be challenged to come back. Daniel realized his people needed to be challenged to go back. They had become comfortable in Babylon. They needed to get back. They needed to rebuild. They, the, the culture had shifted. They were in a different time. God had a new mission for them. It was time to get back and get back to work. Now, I just want to say I do value online worship. Just so you know, if you are watching, don't, don't you know, turn it off right now. See, still worship with us. But it's, it's not a substitute. It's just 
supplemental. And uh, we, we know that it's also important because some people, before they come and check out a, a Sunday morning with us, they're going to watch us online for a while. Many of you in this room, you watched online for a while, and then you're like, okay, those people are normal. I'll go there. And then some of you, you know, you, you have children, you have other things that come up. And so it's nice when you miss to be able to, to watch online. Some of you have had to watch from the hospital. Some of you had to watch from, you know, uh, from a, when you were vacationing with your family. So, so we, we're not gonna stop doing online. We're gonna keep doing online and make online better and better and better, but don't make it a substitute, just use it as a supplement. And here's the question for you in light of this passage, is worship a priority in your life? Only you can answer that question. Is worship a priority for you? Daniel was mourning because his people began to underprioritize worship. They began to neglect worship. You and I, we have been made to worship God. We're never happier than when we're, when we're worshiping God. And some of us are here today and we're looking for something to fill the void in our hearts. We have holes, we have struggles. We, we're dealing with things like, I don't, I don't have the answers. You're in the right place because only God can fill that void in your heart and in your soul. He is the one who has the amazing grace to set you free from the struggles in this life. And when you worship him, you experience his grace to turn your world around, to turn it upside down. Can I get an amen? Make worship a priority. Now, five years ago, leaders, they were struggling with the fact that churchgoers were only showing up for church, church once a month. That was five years ago. Now they're struggling with the fact that they're not showing up at all. And I shared this stat with you last week that 80% of churches in America are plateaued or declining. I told you that was part of my doctoral research, which I finished last week. I'm officially done. <laughs> You don't have to call me doctor, uh, but my kids do. They have to call me doctor. Yeah. Or you can, if you want to call me like my proper, call me Reverend Dr. Richard K. Hemi. Or just call me Ricky, whatever one you prefer. Okay. Just stick to Ricky. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. This should cause mourning, right? When we take a, a pulse of the American church today, there's a lack of worshipers. There's a lack of worshipers. And so Daniel, when he assessed that and experienced that, he's like, well, what can I do? How can I change it? I, I can't eat, I can't drink, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I don't, I'm like, what do I do as a result? And so what he did was he prayed. And the reason he prayed is because prayer changes everything. Do you guys believe that this morning? If we wanna see hearts revived, Families turned around. If we want to see a revival in this town, a revival in this state, a revival in this country, a revival in this church, it all begins with prayer. Prayer changes everything. And so Daniel stopped and he prayed. He needed to pray for his people. He needed to pray for his family. He needed to pray for those who were stuck in Babylon. Daniel prayed. And here's where things took a very interesting turn in this passage because God answered Daniel's prayer by giving him a peek into the spiritual realm. Let's look at the passage. So now we have the crisis. First, we learned about the context. Now we have the crisis. Daniel 10, verse nine, this is what it says. On the 24th day of the first month, I was, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, 
His arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and I saw this great vision and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. So how did God respond to Daniel's prayer? God responded by sending Daniel a messenger. When Daniel prayed, God sent a powerful heavenly being to bring him a vision of the future. Now, when we read this passage, we aren't totally sure who this divine being is. This might be the pre-incarnate Jesus, okay? Because in Revelation, we get a picture of Jesus in glory. It has the same imagery, flames of fire, golden sash, voice sounding like a multitude, falling down fit on your face in fear and trembling. So it might be pre-incarnate Christ, or it might be Gabriel, because we've already seen Gabriel a number of times showing up in the book of Daniel. We don't know for sure. But this divine being was so radiant when he appeared to Daniel that Daniel fell to the ground as if he were dead. That was Daniel's response. So Daniel was already hungry, already tired, already neglecting, you know, that St. Ives lotion from Persia. He was already struggling. And then he meets a, a, a divine being and he falls down as though dead. Okay, this is, this is, this is a rough day. This is a rough day. Any of you guys watch uh, suspenseful movies? Any of you like to watch suspenseful movies or maybe even scary movies? Any of you like to watch scary movies in here? So, so growing up, my sister and my stepmom, they were like, they were obsessed with suspenseful movies. I can't watch it. I don't watch scary movies. I don't watch suspenseful movies. I, I couldn't do it then. I can't do it now because I don't, I, you know, if I'm going to go watch something, I want to chill. I want to enjoy my popcorn. I want to laugh. I want to have a good time. I don't want to be scared every five minutes. Daniel, though, <laughs> amen, yes. Daniel is already struggling, already hurting, already in a hard and dark spot, and then he has a terrifying vision of the Lord. He was searching for answers, but when God showed up, he was then scared half to death. And I want you to ponder this. Here's a man, probably in his mid-80s, having come through weeks of fasting on fasting and, and being physically, psychologically flattened, and then he is met by a terrifying divine being, and there's nothing casual about this visit from this heavenly being. I'm pointing this out because some people flippantly will say that God visited them, or that God spoke to them, or that God came to them, but when God comes to you, you know it. You know why? because you fall down on your face. I was reading a commentary this week and this guy shared a story about somebody who went up to John MacArthur. I don't know if you've ever heard of John MacArthur. This guy goes up to John MacArthur and says, hey, uh, I want you to know I frequently hear from the Lord. He shows up all the time throughout the day. I see him, I talk to him. He's awesome. I was just shaving yesterday. And as I was shaving, God showed up to me and just had a conversation with me. And MacArthur's like, well, did you even stop shaving? Because here's the thing. MacArthur was pointing out, if you met God, you would know it because you would fall on your face flat. Every time God shows up in the Bible, it's not a flippant, you know, like, oh, that, hey, peace out, God, that was awesome, so good to see you. There was fear, there was dread. Because God is glorious and we are not. 
He is high and lifted up. You, you saw that description. That was a divine being. That might be just an angel. Eyes of fire. A, a, a voice of a mighty river, an ocean, a, a multitude. There's, there's this appearance that, that is frightening and terrifying. And here's, we get a, a glimpse of what some of God's servants had to go through in order to get God's word to us. John had to go through that same thing in Revelation. That was not an easy season for him to pin the book of Revelation. He saw frightening, terrifying things because we are finite creatures and God is infinite and holy and we are, we are broken and he is whole and perfect and righteous. And so when we stand in his presence, our response is not, hey, what's up God our response is woe is me that's our response and so I challenge people at times who flippantly say they met God because when you meet God you'll know it well God sent an angel to show Daniel that the crisis he was experiencing on earth was actually rooted in a conflict in heaven here's where this passage gets kind of mind-blowing what the angel reveals to Daniel is this, something we all know because of what we read in the New Testament, it's that our problems are spiritual. The, the, the bad news that we see all the time and hear all the time, it's because something bad is happening in the spiritual realm. Okay, the unseen realm impacts the seen realm. Right now, there are millions of angels and demons that exist in an unseen realm. And what is happening in the unseen realm affects everything that we experience right here, right now in this seen realm. Uh, Paul says it this way in Ephesians 6. He says, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We, we think that our problems are, you know, this guy's a problem and that guy's a problem or that leader's a problem or the, our wrestling is not with flesh and blood, but against the rulers. This is the unseen realm against the authorities. This is, this is the ranks of, of demons. Okay, we're gonna see in this passage that there's, there, there are geographical demons that are set up over certain places and there's ranking in the demonic forces just as there's ranking in, in God's forces. We see Michael, the archangel, pop up in this passage. We learned about Gabriel. Okay, uh, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces. That's who we ref- wrestle with, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Daniel's vision gives us a glimpse behind the veil and into the unseen realm. There are unseen powers and forces that impact what we see and what we experience, the unseen realm. This makes me think of going behind the scenes for like a movie or a television show. My, my daughter, I don't know if you know this about my daughter, so I have a daughter named Blake. She's seven. She turns eight in a couple weeks. Um, she loves performing, okay? So she loves singing and dancing and acting, and, and we're not, you know, we're not trying to make her famous or anything like that. Just love seeing her love what she does. And she often asks if she could uh, audition for things. And so we've let her audition for certain things, and she's done a number of commercials, and she's done some television shows, and she's done some print work and, and things like that, and she loves it. She's, she's actually helping out at Lemoore High School for their winter play this year. She's helping out with something at her school right now, and she's also doing a, a singing recital and a dance recital. She loves doing that stuff. That's just how she's wired, how she's made. But now, because she does that stuff, when I watch something with her when we sit together and watch a show she often comments about what's happening behind the scenes like Blake I don't want to know what's happening behind the scenes 
I want to be fooled by what's happening in this picture. And she's all, no, see, there's a guy over there. He's got a boom mic and there's a guy over there with a camera. And what you thought that looked real, but that was actually just fake. That was just a prop. And she's like explaining to me what I'm seeing in the picture because she's been on set and she knows what happens behind the scenes. She's really smart. She's, she's an amazing girl. I love her. Love you, Blake. I hope you're watching right now. I love you. Uh, anyways, she knows what's happening in the background. Daniel's crisis was rooted in a heavenly conflict in the unseen realm. There were things happening behind the scenes that were causing what he was experiencing on earth. His earthly crisis was rooted in a heavenly crisis. Similarly, today, there is warfare happening behind the scenes, resulting in some of the struggles and some of the chaos and some of the confusion that we're experiencing here on earth. It's because of spiritual forces of evil working behind the scenes. God's people were complacent in the book of Daniel because demonic influence had distracted them and discouraged them and and fooled them and deceived them into thinking that they didn't need to go back and worship. They didn't need to go back and rebuild. And so they became complacent and distracted. Similarly today, we are distracted. We are deceived. We are lured to sleep by demonic forces that convince us that the world doesn't need more worshipers. We just need to be consumers and do what we want. But those are just lies propagated by the evil one. There's more happening behind the scenes. Now we're gonna read what's happening behind the scenes. This crisis on earth was due to a conflict in heaven, which leads to section three, and that is the conflict. Look at what's happening here. And behold, a hand touched me. So Daniel was laid flat. He, was, he was, couldn't believe what he saw with his eyes. And now he meets this angelic divine being and he regains his strength through this being. And then he gets a picture behind the scenes. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees and said to me, oh Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God. Okay, Daniel was confused with what was happening in the world. And so what did he do? He humbled himself, he fasted, he prayed. Since that day you've done that, your words have been heard. And I've come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia, Okay, this is a demonic prince. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Okay, this, this is an angel, divine being, talking to Daniel. This divine being was held up by another divine being on his way over to Daniel for 21 days. This is a demonic being who was called the prince of Persia. But Michael, one of the chief princes, that's the chief angel, Michael, he came to my aid to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and I was mute. Okay, so this is terrifying to be in the presence of this divine, me- by divine being. And behold, one like the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. 
I said to him, who stood be I said to him who stood before me, oh my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For no strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a son of man touched me and he strengthened me. And he said, oh man, greatly loved. Twice Daniel is called one greatly loved. When you belong to the Lord, you are greatly loved. I hope you hear that and understand that today. Oh man, greatly loved, fear not. I know you hear bad news upon bad news. I know you were hoping that 2022 would be very different from 20, 2022 would be different from 2020. Doesn't matter what you go through. Doesn't matter how hard things are. Doesn't matter what kind of news you hear. Fear not, you are greatly loved. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you've strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. So he's going back into this demonic warfare. And when I go out, behold the prince of Greece. So here's another demon who will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. That's, that's God's word, God's will for all of creation, for all of mankind, his prophecy, his plan. There is none who contends by my side except Michael, your prince. Okay, now this is, this is a crazy passage. This is a really crazy passage. <clears throat> when, the, when the angel finally arrived to comfort Daniel, he revealed to Daniel that he had been held up by demonic forces for 21 days. So the moment Daniel started praying and worrying about his people and his country and, and his, what was gonna happen about rebuilding the temple, he's praying, he's fasting, he's talking. God hears, God sends a messenger. The word angel, by the way, means messenger, okay? Me angels are God's messengers, holy messengers. And then there's ranks in angels. An angel is sent out. And as this angel is sent out to give word to Daniel about his prayers, the angel is then held up by a demonic force for 21 days. This is, this is crazy. This gives us a peek into the unseen realm. This passage and, and, and other passages like it are unique because it shows us the realm of angels and demons. We've already seen in this book numerous angels uh, showing up in, in Daniel, in angelic encounters. But now for the first time, we're hearing about demons. We've learned about the Antichrist. We've learned about the evil one. We've learned about the Son of Man, the Ancient of Days. Now we're hearing about demons. And one thing I want you to know today, just as angels are real, so are Demons. Demons are real. Demons are fallen angels. They're fallen angels who are divinely created, supernatural beings who, under the leadership of Satan, rebelled against God. Demons are real. As angels, they were originally created to worship and serve God, but as demons, they've, been cho they've chosen a different master, Satan, also known as the prince of demons, the ruler of demons. Sometimes demons are referred to as evil spirits. Sometimes they're referred to as unclean spirits or rulers or authorities, as we saw in, uh, in Ephesians. Here, they're called princes, princes over certain geographical locations, certain territories. And what, what, so what do we make of this conflict in Daniel chapter 10? Well, this passage seems to suggest that evil powers seek to influence and, and control entire kingdoms, even entire governments. One demon is called the Prince of Persia. This angelic messenger that came to Daniel was delayed on his journey 21 days by the prince of the kingdom of Persia, an evil angel associated with the Persian empire who resists God's 
purposes. That was what was happening in this scene. Now, we don't normally think like this, so here's a challenge for you and a challenge for me. But oftentimes, the deceit experienced by nations, the lies propagated by rulers of nations, actually originates in the demonic realm. Satan and demons are liars. They're liars. They, they propagate lies. Okay, have you ever been somewhere where you, where you felt like a spiritual darkness in that place? Have you guys ever been somewhere like that? Maybe you walked into an environment and you're like, oh my gosh, this is really dark. This is really disturbing. There's something is not right here. Well, there are certain places in the world where Satan has a stronghold. There are certain nations where Satan has a stronghold. Satan and demons are far more cunning than even the most clever human diplomats. They work through lies, they work through propaganda and other means with the overall goal of stirring up hatred towards Jesus Christ and towards Jesus' followers. Their job is to lie and to deceive and to trap and to snare people into, into false ideas about the world and to trap them and pull them as far away from God as possible. And that is their job because that, Satan is he's described in one way by Jesus. He's described as a liar. Satan is a liar. Jesus says this about Satan. Satan was a murderer from the beginning and he doesn't stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. Satan, just so you know, is a real foe who really wants to see us destroyed and his primary tool for destroying us is to capture us with lies. And he's already captured nations. And he's already captured schools. And he's already captured universities. And he's even captured churches. And he's searching for more and more strongholds anywhere he could find them. He's looking for strongholds in your family. He's looking for strongholds in your marriage. He's looking for strongholds in this church, in this town, in this state, in this country. Because there is a war raging behind the scenes in the unseen realm. And the conflict and the chaos and the struggle that we are experiencing now today is rooted in a heavenly conflict, a heavenly struggle. And here's the thing, that war will continue to rage until the return of Jesus Christ because there is only one power greater than the demonic forces and the demonic influence of Satan. There's only one person who can put them to rest, who will put them in the grave, who will cast them into the lake of fire. His name is Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. That's why we need more worshipers. We're in a war. Your family daily is in a war. Your kids at school, believe it or not, they're in a war. You're family, this community, this church daily, we are in a battle, we are in a war and we could be, you know, lulled to sleep and we could be oblivious to it or we could open our eyes and we could begin to see all of the problems, all of the bad news, all of the struggle that we experience now. It's not just a coincidence, it's because there's something happening behind the scenes where demonic forces are seeking to to, to lure us from God, to help us make us believe lies, to abandon the truth of God's word. And if we don't see it, we'll be fooled by it. Well, Daniel began this chapter sad and fearful and depressed, but he ended the chapter strengthened and filled with courage to face the battle ahead of him. He was worried at the beginning and then he stood up straight at the end. 
because he trusted that even when times are tough, even when things look bad, even when the future you wonder if it's gonna be bright or not, God is in control and he is greater than anything this world can throw at us. Can I get an amen? What the church needs today is more courageous Christians. We need soldiers. We need warriors. Okay, the the time of happy, clappy, surface level, consumer driven, me focused, feelings oriented Christianity, that time is long gone. I know people often like want to get back to, remember how church was five years ago? Remember how church was 10 years ago? I, I often think about that like, man, those were good times. That was so fun. I loved church five years ago, 10 years ago. There's so much excitement. It was just a different time. That was so amazing. And oftentimes I hear people talking about, man, if we could just get back to that, if we could just get back to that, there is no going back to that. Those days are gone. The world, the culture has shifted. We are in a new season as a church. And the season that we're in as a church, I'm talking about capital C church across the globe. We are no longer just gonna be able to sit in the pews and just, you know, hallelujah and do our thing and take off as if nothing happened. Now, Jesus is raising up soldiers and warriors who are ready to go out into the world and to make a difference for him. That's the season we're in as a church. Are you guys ready for that? God wants to use you. And part of using you is he wants you to see the lies. He wants you to be able to spot the truth. He wants you to be able to see what's happening behind the scenes so that you know that what's happening in front of you, there's stuff going on behind the curtain, behind the veil that's influencing what is happening right here, right now. So if you wanna win in this life, if you wanna win on this earth, if you wanna win in this town, then you need to pick it up in the spiritual realm. You need to get on your knees, you need to pray, you need to lift up your hands because the war is won in the spiritual realm. And when we win in the spiritual realm, we experience the victory here in the earthly realm. So here are some final takeaways. Number one, keep praying and don't stop. What if Daniel stopped praying at day 20? What if he stopped praying at day 14? Daniel kept praying until he got an answer. Don't stop praying until you get an answer. Pray, pray, pray. And know that sometimes your prayers are actually held up by unseen warfare. Daniel's prayer was held up by unseen forces, but he knew to keep praying and keep trusting and keep fasting. And God came through. Don't stop praying even when it's hard. Number two, adopt a biblical worldview. I challenge you to stop looking at what's happening on the surface and begin to gain awareness of what's happening behind the scenes. Our battles are spiritual. Don't be fooled by the lies of culture. Don't be fooled by the, the, the things that, are, that, the propaganda that you might hear or receive through whatever means, you know, your phone or television. See with biblical, with a biblical lens ask questions about what we're going through and begin to look at what's happening and and, and understanding what's happening behind the scenes. Adopt a biblical worldview. Number three, make worship a priority. When God's people stop worshiping, our likelihood for impact decreases exponentially. This world will be changed by worshipers. 
Families will be changed by worshipers. This church will be changed by worshipers. This community will be changed by worshipers. We are a group of worshipers. God wants to use us. I wanna encourage you, be bold in your worship. Make it a priority. And we have Candy Walk coming up. This is a great time to reach out to your Oikos, reach out to your friends, invite them onto this campus. Let them know about our church. Let them know what we're up to. We want to see this place grow with worshipers so that we can continue to make an impact for Jesus Christ. We worship him because he's worthy. Can I get an amen? We worship him because he's worth it. Can I get an amen? We worship him because he alone rules and reigns and he will put all spiritual darkness to rest at his return. That's where Daniel is headed. So continue to hang with us through this series. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna close um, with, with giving in a, in a song. Father God, I thank you for Daniel 10. This is a crazy chapter to get a peek behind the veil. To, to see that there's more happening than, than what meets the eye. Lord, I pray that we would not be fooled. I pray that our families would not be fooled. I pray that Satan wouldn't have strongholds in, in our marriages, that Satan wouldn't have strongholds in our walk with you, that Satan wouldn't have strongholds that isolate us and keep us from worshiping and keep us from gathering and keep us from growing. I pray that we would be warriors. We have seen a shift in the culture. We have seen a shift in the church. The church that existed 10 years ago is no longer the church of today. And that's true everywhere in this country. You are doing something new. Prepare us for it. Help us to follow you. Help us to trust you. Strengthen us today. Fill us with your hope. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.